Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Get your Bibles out, turn to Psalms 11 for me. So we are uh, jumping into a new series uh, this month. It's gonna be a series on relationship. Uh, it just it kind of fell that way. I felt the Lord was leading that way. And then with Valentine's, it just kind of made sense. Some of the other things like coming up this Friday night and other things are happening. Uh, we just believe that, that we're gonna launch out into this series on relationships. It's important to do that because everything we do is important to go and see what the Word says, Amen. There's so much push and pull and so many ideas and cultural shifts and changes on relationship, things like marriage and dating and uh, sex and gender and all kinds of things in the church, out of the church and all kinds of stuff. And we need to hear God's voice. We need to hear God's word. Amen. And so coming off 21 days of prayer and fasting, coming off this January, which can I say, this may be the strongest I've felt like the presence and, and the sense of God moving in and through Tree of Life through these 21 days of prayer that I've felt before. And, and actually, I'll be honest with you, I hope that I feel that every year because God's moving in a greater measure every year, right? From glory to glory, strength to strength. And I also believe he's moving that way the closer we get to his return. And then I believe we've done what he's asked us to do to make more room, right? And I really felt in January we spent time talking about making room. And you remember we had fun with shovels and stuff like that. We had Pastor Dan last week. And, uh, but, I, but I really felt God had dropped in my heart this idea here that if we will make more capacity for God, God will increase his activity for us. If we'll increase our capacity for God, he'll increase his ca capacity in and through us. And not just individually, but as a church, as he speaks to us, as we hear his voice, as we step out in faith, as we activate things through our action and the power of the Holy Spirit is evident and present to move and work. Uh, I was in Corpus Christi for some meetings Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, Pastor Dan went with us and we go every year to an organization called the Significant Church Network, which we're a part of. And every speaker that got up to speak felt God had dropped something in their heart and we'd been talking about it for a while, and everyone said this, that they had this sense that this year's gonna be unlike any other. Like, God is really wanting to do more, more through his people. He's wanting to show himself strong. In fact, it's going so far as to say, and we've felt that in here, that we stand on, on the next big movement of God. And that the table has been set, God doesn't bring things like pandemics and you know tragedy into our life, but those things also help prepare the way for his move, right? They're, they're there, they're happening, and he'll use them for opportunity for his church to rise up and, and his power and be the church and signs, wonders, and miracles and change the world around about us. And I, I believe the table's been set. I, you know, we look at all the things that the Bible talks about as we get closer to the end times of the return of Jesus. Like we look at, you know, we look at things like that, like pandemics and famines, and we look at wars and rumors of wars and, and you know, things that we're experiencing strife and divide like never before. Um, and Jesus is the answer, amen? amen? He is the answer for all that. And so we see a lot of things shifting and changing, but I believe that it's our greatest opportunity. And so I believe God's been speaking to the church as a whole, not just Tree of Life Church. And I felt like that was good that I felt like I was hearing from God. That's always good to know, right? Yeah, I mean, I did hear from him, awesome. And so uh, we just feel like we're just stepping out now to what God wants to do. Having said that, as I was studying and getting ready for the relationship series, I really felt like God was leading me in a direction I didn't wanna go 
I was going in a certain way relationally, relationships, and he brought me to a place, and I, and I, I wrestled with it for a little bit. Isn't that funny? Why would you wrestle with God? Hey, don't judge me. You do too, all right? <laughs> don't judge me. <clears throat> and uh, finally, I yielded, and I said, okay, yes, Lord. And so this kind of popped up in my heart and my spirit. So let me just set it up for you. It's not like we've been having all these fun and exciting, energetic thing. This is just going to be pretty much just a, a great teaching. And, uh, but I want you to open your hearts up, because I think this could be one of the most important messages you hear this year. And really, it's on the topic of forgiveness. And as we look ahead, moving forward, I want to step into the things that God has for me. I want to activate the person and presence and power of the Holy Spirit. I, we want to lead as a church. We want to do all this stuff, and God has all these things for me. The first place we have to start, however, is with our heart. And I grew up as a kid, my dad always, if I was frustrated or something was happening, things weren't working out the way I thought, I'd go to my dad and I'd say, Dad, man, come on, I'm having a hard time with this person, that person. And my dad, the first thing he'd look at me and say, he'd say, son, how's your love walk? And I'm like, we're not here about my love walk. It's their love walk that's off, Dad, right? <laughs> and I appreciate always bringing me back to the truth that really you gotta check your heart. And as much as we wanna experience all the wonderful things that God has for us and step out into his anointing and power and be a witness and help change the world and touch lives, it really begins first with just seeing where we're at in our heart and making sure we're dealing with that first. And so when we're talking about relationships in the upcoming weeks and we'll do, talk about marriage and all that kind of stuff, it really begins with your heart. And so we're gonna take a look today. So let's start with Psalms 11, three through four. Uh, here's our foundational scripture. When the foundations are being destroyed, let me stop for a second right there. Is that not what you would think the status of, of the world is today? All the foundations that we know and our past, and I think back to my parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and all that, I think about the, the moral foundation I have, the, you know, all the things, the ethical foundation I have, the, the religious or church foundation, however you wanna say that, God foundation in my life, all seem to be being attacked in the world and the world's changing and shifting and culture shifting and we, when we find that foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? What do we do when we find like everything's changing and being destroyed? Well, I love the answer here in verse four because it really isn't necessarily answering the question, but it's answering the question. <laughs> because what do we do when, when our foundations are being destroyed? The Lord. <laughs> okay, could you give me a little bit more than that? Okay, the Lord is still on the throne. <laughs> the Lord in his holy temple, the Lord is on his heavenly throne. No matter what it looks like today, can I say this? The Lord is still on the throne. God is still on the throne. That has not changed. Everything around you changed and is changing, but he changes not. Well, yeah, but just think of all the strife and division we're facing today, you know, all the morality and immorality, all the things that are being challenged and stuff. What are we gonna do? The Lord. Yeah, but marriages and stuff, what, the Lord. Yeah, but my family, my team, the Lord. But my business and the woke culture and the cancel culture, but the Lord. But pandemics, the Lord. Wars and rumors of war, the Lord. You can say it before, but yeah, but before you even get it out of your mouth, yeah, but the Lord, the Lord, shh, the Lord. The Lord, the Lord, right? It's the Lord. It's the Lord. I want to challenge you this week when people come up to you and say, yeah, but what about the Lord? Don't even wait till they finish. They'll love that, right? <laughs> Cut them off. <laughs> Jump in there. Interrupt them. They'll love that. The Lord. And then you can say, check your love walk. <laughs> After that, right? <laughs> but here's a great scripture, and it's right. So when we talk about unbroken, which is the title of my series, we can have unbroken foundations. It's the Lord. He is the unbroken foundation. We build everything on that, but we have to build on it, right? We have to build on him. And so I just want to encourage you today, we're going to look at our values and things in association with the Lord, and 
we find ourselves at a time and place that we need to be more intentional, more aware of how things are happening. I'm reminded, as I said, when we went to Corpus, <clears throat> my wife and I had these meetings, and Corpus driving around and stuff, and we love going to Port A and things like that. It made me think of, you know, my kids always love to go to the beach when we go to Port A. Can I tell you, we're not a beach people because we're just, it's not, our, it's not our good environment for us. And uh, we go to the beach, the beach was always never really liked it. It's just all a bunch of sand, salt water, and then I had to cover myself from head to toe, right? And sunscreen, nose, nothing showing that wasn't covered, and I hated doing that. My kids, bless their hearts, they're, they're just me and my children, so no matter how much they wanted to tan, just wasn't gonna happen, right? Sorry, honey, <laughs> you're our children. And so my kids would get in the water after we spent 30 minutes putting sunscreen on them and there'd be an oil slick following them around, you know, from the sunscreen. And... But one thing I realized in, in relation to where I think we find ourselves today is I remember spending time at the beach when their kids would love playing out in the water. And every so often you had to look up and check on them because when they're out in the water, it just kind of, you kind of drifted, right? Like you could start right in front of you, hey, you guys be safe and don't go far. And then you look up where the kids and they're like, they're fine, but they're like 100 yards down the beach and can I just say, I think today in our world that we've drifted a little bit. I don't think maybe we've looked up enough. I think maybe we've been looking down at ourselves and our problems, our challenges, our hurts and pains, which are real. And I get it. And we need to be aware of those things. I'm not trying to minimize anything. But we need to look up a little bit. And I think the church has drifted maybe a little bit. We find ourselves down the beach. And we need to make sure that we are looking back up and getting back to where we started. Take a look at Jeremiah 6.16. Here's what the word says. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Can I say, I feel like we're at a crossroads in our country today. I feel like we're at a crossroads in our Christianity today. I feel like we're at a crossroads in our church day and our church culture. And we need to know where we are and we have a decision to make. It says, stand and look at the crossroads and ask for the ancient past. Ask for God's way. We're trying to find a new way, but yet God's way works. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he fails not. We need to get back to the ancient path. We need to get back to the foundational principles of the word of God, back to godly values values and a changing culture. Amen? Amen? And we need to get back to the ancient past, ask where the good way is, and walk in it. And what happens with that? You will find rest for your souls. Do you realize God's way brings rest to your soul? And isn't that what drives our search? Our search is trying to find happiness. I'm just trying to rest for my soul. I'm just trying. And we think we're going to find it in circumstances and accommodation and all these kind of changing things. And it's not it. It's going to be found in the ancient path, in God's way. God's way was created to be the way. It didn't have to be changed. He wrote it right the first time. There is no improving on the perfect God. So we just got to get back to God's way. The world's trying to redefine what God created. Culture's trying to shape new ideas around gender and marriage and sexuality and religion and God and church. <clears throat> and I get asked my opinion on those things all the time, all the time. And I understand that. It's my position. Hey, pastor, what about this? And can I tell you, I always like to tell them, my opinion doesn't really matter. <laughs> What matters is the words of God. God's word really matters. Let's talk about God's word on that subject or that topic because the ancient path is what brings rest for your soul. Trying to follow what God has to say. And here's the thing, seems very simple. Let me say it this way. In order for relationships to work, we must let the one who designed them define them. And there's so many things pulling us apart. So many attacks, so much strife, so much anger it seems like in our world today. But in order really to find how relationships work, we must let the one God who designed them define them. And there are people who don't like the way God designed them. We know that, we hear it all the time, and actually sometimes we don't necessarily like it. But then again, we aren't the creator. <laughs> There's only one God, and you and I are not him. 
And we need to listen to him. And you can't follow your opinions or the opinions of the culture or politics. You cannot follow, you know, pressure and Christian pop, you know, pop Christianity or cultural things. You can't trust your feelings as truth. We can't be feelings-based, popular opinion-based, political party-based. We have to be value-based. And I'm going to base my life on what the Word of God says, not what I think. In fact, he knows best. Man thinks he knows best. We think we know best. But take a look at Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that appears to be right. Oh, that sounds right. Looks good. Makes sense to man. But in the end, it leads to death. And yeah, maybe not physical death, but there is probably a, a, a something that could lead to that. Uh, but spiritual death really is what it means. So there's a way that appears right. I thought, we go back and say, I thought that was the right choice, but we never consulted God or the ancient path, let's say, you know, shoring up that foundation. And we looked other at popular opinion or, you know, that, that Bible was okay back then, but now it's times of change. It was written by men, not by God, and they don't understand that at all. And so we're, we're doing things because of feelings and, and pleasing and all that, and that will lead, the Bible says, to death or spiritual death. It'll lead to spiritual death in your marriage. It'll lead to spiritual death in your family, relationships, your friendships, your intimacy, your mind, your morals, your ethics, your integrity, and your relationship with God. So that sounds like pretty heavy so far, but hey, let me give you some good news right now. John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's great, I thought you were giving me good news. Hey, it doesn't stop there, praise the Lord. But wait, there's more. <laughs> but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. There's some good news for you. God came, Jesus came, that you can have life to the full or abundant life. He didn't come to put restrictions on your life. He came to make it a way that you can have full life if you'll follow his ways because his pathways lead to rest for your soul. But you gotta follow his way. And so his way is not restrictive. In fact, it is very freeing and gives you life to the full. God's way works. So today's a really important place to start, honestly. In fact, this, again, might be one of the more important messages of the year because let's just be quite honest, we deal with unforgiveness, hurts and pains in our heart. And we need to find a way, a healthy way, to manage to release those unto God because those will be hindrances for us. I don't have time to teach on why or all that. In fact, that's a whole series on itself about unforgiveness and harboring that in your heart, but it is, it is something that will hinder you from walking out and fulfilling the things that God has for you. The truth is there's just a lot of disagreement in our world today, a lot of diversity, culture, marriages, churches, and I see it in a lot of places, and I've seen it more divided than ever before, and it just seems like it's heading more and more that way. Lots of problems, hurt, anger, brokenness, and we need to find a way to be able to healthily manage that, especially as Christians, and the reality for you and I is typically we find ourselves having to choose sides, right, whether it be a group or a party or whether it be a relationship or a person. We find ourselves being put in the middle of those things. And can I tell you, we always would like to say, well, I'm on God's side. And that's great to say we don't always land there. But let me tell you what side we need to be on. We need to always be on the side of love. I'm talking about we need to love everybody. We need to love everybody. And because the, for God so loved the world, he loved everybody. For God so loved everybody, everyone is valuable. Everyone is to be loved. Let me say it this way. We can't have anything in our hearts towards anybody. 
We really have to work to guard and protect our heart, and he'll help us do that, but we have to keep our heart clean towards anybody. And I don't know what your background is. I don't know what's happened in your life and transpired relationally. I understand all that. But I'm talking about a person, a political party, a religion, a coworker, a mom, a dad, an ex, a current president, an ex-president, your wife, and yes, even your pastor. You can't have anything in your heart towards anybody because that will hinder the plan and purpose of God for your life. It won't take it back but it'll hinder you being able to fulfill, fulfill and walk in it. You can't have any of that going on on the inside no matter what you think or feel. And please understand this. My relationship with God is inseparable to my relationships with the people that God put in my life. First service gave me a good amen on that one. I'm really just kind of standing here shocked right now. I'm offended and um, I'm... My relationship with God is inseparable to my relationships with the people God put in my life. You can't separate the two. No, all I need is God. Wrong. All you need is him to get to heaven. Everything else, he made it in the context of relationships and connecting with people. You can, and let me say it this way. You can't have a good marriage without a good relationship with God. And you can't have a good relationship with God if you have the wrong attitude towards people. It's inseparable. He wrote it that way. As he intended. As he intended. Take a look at John 13, 34 through 35. A new command I give you. Love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. He's emphasizing the love one another part. And then he says, if you do that, then everyone will know that you're my disciples. It is your witness, our witness of God's love, how we love each other to a world that is unlovable, if you will. And broken. All men will know it's our witness. Because you went to tree? No. Because you got some tree merch? No. Because you gave towards the missions, volunteered at night to shine? No, no. Because you read your Bible? Because you're there every time the door is open? Because you came to worship night? No. It's how you love other people. They'll know about your God. You love one another. The word love in that is the word agape, and agape means to love without condition. Hard to do by ourselves on our own. But I believe God will do a real work. In fact, I've been praying and praying today that God will do a real work inside of each and every one of us today if we will decide to let God heal our hearts from the people that hurt us. And I believe that we can begin today. I believe we have to begin today. And I'm not saying that we give up our our stand on what we believe. I'm not saying we give up our values. I believe we can stand firm in them and still not have anything against someone at the same time. I can stand firm in my values and beliefs, which may be different to you, and I can still not harbor things in my heart towards you. Matthew 22, 36 through 39 says this. Teacher, as, a, as religious leaders gathered around Jesus, and they said, there's a lot of laws, there's a lot of commandments, there's 440 of them. Just give us one, kind of give us one to live by. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law out of the 440? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Okay, yeah, we can do that. This is the first and greatest commandment. He's like, oh, yeah, okay, we got that. Look what he says in the next verse. And, whoa, 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 and. No, 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 no. No, we only ask for one. One, Jesus. We just want one. And we don't need an ant. And Jesus is like, oh, no. I can't give you the first one without this one. They're inseparable. In fact, they're really equal. And the second one is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. And which after they heard that, they said, oh yeah, I wish he really would have stopped at that first part without the end, right? <laughs> I told him, we told him we don't need a second part. 
But Jesus is saying, no, I can't, if I'm gonna give you one, I gotta give it all to you. And here it is, love God and love each other. In fact, God was saying, your vertical relationship will be reflected in your horizontal relationships. And your horizontal relationships will be a reflection of your vertical relationship. In fact, do you wanna know where you're at with God? Where are you at with people? Check your love walk. Where are you at with people? Well, yeah, but just that one person. Oh, okay. <laughs> we all got that one person, right? <laughs> we're just hoping that we're not it <laughs> to somebody else. <laughs> Good elbowing right now, right? So it's that, it's that relationship with God and relationship with others. It's how he set it up. We have to work on that. So if you want to know, again, where you're at with God or with other people, check your relationship with other people that will reflect where you're at with God. And so let's talk about, let's talk about that hurt for a minute, that pain. And again, we can do series and series on these things. So who made you mad? Whoever hurt you, offended you, whatever person, whatever group, they... They brought real hurt and real pain, and I, by no means do I ever want to minimize that. I, I, I get it, and I feel that at times myself. Even whether they know it or not, whether it was intentional or not, that doesn't really even matter. It's still real. If you have any offense in your heart towards anyone, and listen, can I say this? I'm, I'm just like you. I feel these same things and have to walk them out as well. But Jesus said this in Matthew 24, 10. Look at what he said. And then many will be offended. That word many is a lot of times translated, translated most and most will be offended, will betray one another and hate one another as if Jesus was to say, listen, it's gonna happen, that's life. Why, we're in a broken world and we're broken people. We're human, we're trying to navigate our emotions and things and we find ourselves in those moments hurt and offended. It is the world we live in. Luke 17, one says this, uh, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offense should come to you. A little bit even stronger there. It's impossible. So, okay, this happens. This is life. This is human nature. It doesn't minimize it. It doesn't belittle it. But as your pastor, I want to say, as, 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 as in this broken world with divided people, it would be good for us to have our hearts in the right place. Living on this planet, experiencing all we're experiencing, in the middle of the time that we live in right now, it's good for us to have our hearts in the right place. It has to be a priority. It has to be a starting point for you and I to work on getting our hearts in the right place. Now, this isn't easy. It's easy to say. And I want to talk about that for a second. I didn't put some of this in your notes, but first thing I think why I think it's hard is because we have a wrong understanding of forgiveness. I think we have a wrong understanding of forgiveness on what we think forgiveness should be. People think in order to forgive, I have to also agree. Forgiveness means that I agree with you like it's okay, and it's not. That's not true. It's not okay. And you don't have to agree to forgive. So we have a wrong understanding of forgiveness. In fact, forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. If I forgive, it means like it didn't really matter. No, that's not true. It did matter. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. It's not saying what you did was okay. It wasn't okay. It's not saying what you said was okay. It wasn't. What they did to hurt you, it did hurt. It did hurt. And I want to let you know that forgiveness is not reconciliation. Reconciliation is important, but reconciliation is a two-player game. It takes two people to make reconciliation work. You gotta have cooperation together. And in other words, there has to reconcile, I have to have your cooperation. But understand, forgiveness and having the right heart is a one-player game. It's not my attitude towards you, it's my attitude towards God about you. My attitude towards God about you. It's not about reconciliation. You don't have to, forgiveness, in other words, doesn't require the other person's involvement. It's your heart issue and how you can release that to God 
and your attitude towards God, towards God about the other person. It's a one-player game. I'm hurt, I don't agree, but I don't have to let it pollute my heart. Forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. Well, forgive and forget, great, good luck with that, how's that working? Because <laughs> I have a lot of hurts that I still remember, but here's the difference, it's not about forgetting, it's about remembering and still having the peace of God. It's about remembering and it's not bringing pain. And sometimes it'll be brought back to your remembrance so you can be reminded of how far God's brought you and the work that he did and how you can trust him and how much you've grown through that. It's remembering what happened and still have the peace of God. And that's my prayer for every single one of us. That's our starting point today, a clean heart. And I know this isn't, you know, that we, you know, getting shovels out and doing all that or whatever, but I think this is so important. I really want you to open your heart up because in just a few moments, we're gonna to get to a place to find this moment that we can perhaps release some of our hearts and pains and give that to God. So I, I think as a, as a whole, as a group in, in our world today, listen, church, we, we need to be tired of the toxic culture around us. We need to be tired of what the world's trying to tell us and sell us. It needs to begin with the house of God and with God's people. It needs to begin with us, a tree of life to a lost and broken and hurting world. And I believe God's calling us to set the standard that goes against the culture in certain areas of division and strife. I believe that we're to set the standard in the areas of, to, for broken marriages to be healed and restored marriages, broken families to be restored families, race and politics that we can find common ground here with, out of mutual love and respect. We can find areas like for sinner and saint that we can come and work together and love we need to, I wrote it this way, we need to be barrier breakers. We need to be relationship restorers. And then I wrote this, and I don't know why I wrote it this way, but I'm gonna read it. We need to be wall wallopers. And I thought, wallopers? <laughs> it was late at night when I was writing this out, and that's the only word I could come up with. And I'm like, what is that? And then this morning I went over it again while I was fresh. No, wait, wall wreckers. But who says wallopers? <laughs> we, we need to be marriage menders, family fixers, race reconcilers, political, and here's the best I got, patcher uppers. I don't know, that's the best I got right there. So if you come up with something else, please let me know. And then I wrote this, how about the lost lovers? Yeah. It just worked that way, that could be weird, but lovers of the lost might be a better way to say it. How about that? The truth is we're not going to be able to do it if we are just as angry as the rest of them. And where's our witness? Where's our freedom? We gotta stand firm and love well, amen, at the same time. Stand firm and love well. Anger, hate, and strife is not our message. That is not the message of Jesus. Our Christianity is supposed to be so attractive that the world will want what they have, and it starts with our heart towards people, marriage, families, relationships. And now a lot of us have come to this place, we, we get it, and I, I hear what you're saying, but it's just not fair, and I know that, and I've said that, and I've felt that many times. It's, we think it's not fair, and, and you're right, it's not fair. It's not fair to go through what you went through. It's not fair to experience that. That's not fair, but listen, you don't want fair. None of us should want to live a life by fair, because thank God, <laughs> thank God God isn't fair, because <laughs> if God was fair, we'd all have to pay for our sin. If God was fair, we'd stand before him one day and be accountable for everything we did and we'd still fall short. Can I say this today, church? It's not about fairness, it's about forgiveness. And thank God that Jesus stepped in and forgave through his shed blood, amen? It's not about fairness, it's about forgiveness. I don't want fair, I want forgiveness. 
There's a story in Matthew 18, 21 through 25, 35. Let me read it real quick. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother, sister who sinned against me? Up to seven times. Poor Peter's stepping out there. I think, I got this. It's at least seven times a day. And Jesus responded, I tell you, it's not seven times, but 77 times. Another translation would say 70 times seven. In other words, Jesus is saying 490 times a day, you have to forgive people. And he's like, even when you're sleeping. But Jesus put this number so high just to say, you can't do it on your own. And you have to always be in a position of forgiving. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, 10,000 bags of gold or 10,000 talents, and in today's equivalent economy money would be $5 billion. Jesus set it so high so you couldn't do it on your own. Come on. He set some high number in his story, his, his a parable that he's telling, so you and I couldn't try and figure out our own way. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children all he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt. Let him go. Five billion dollar debt. Go ahead. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, which is about ten thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the neck and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, said the same thing that that servant said to his master. Be patient with me. I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison till he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all your huge debt because you begged me to. You shouldn't have had, you should have had, you shouldn't, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I did you? Shouldn't you treat him the way I treated you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Shouldn't we forgive others because we have been forgiven? Philippians 4.13, because the answer, the question is this, I don't think I can do it. You can't, you can't, not in your own strength and ability. And that's why it says in Philippians, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. He will give you the strength to release that out of your heart. If it's been there years and years and the abuses and the hurts have been deep and, and I don't even know the extent of all that, and I could never know, I can't feel your pain, I don't know your hurt, but I know the one who has the answer for it another one who has the ability to help you walk through it. I believe if you open up your life to the presence and power of God, you'll have the capacity to do things you never thought you would be able to do. I believe that this morning we'll open our hearts up to him this morning and activate his presence and power in that. I wanna give you three steps because I think there's things that we need to do that activates the power and presence of God in our life. Three steps, these are gonna be the hardest things you've ever done to release forgiveness in the people that have hurt you or wronged you, and we all have that in our heart, but we've gotta get it out. But the Bible has a way, and the way works, the ancient path. Number one, let me give this to you. Number one, to activate the presence and power of God to enable you to release forgiveness in those areas of your life, pray for them, pray for them. Oh, I pray every day. <laughs> I pray the fire of God falls on them, I pray, right? I, I pray for them every day. And the Bible says, no, you need it. Pray for them, not about them. Look what it says in Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you or hurt you. Can I tell you the word works? Prayer works. 
You know, when you pray and stuff, you may not seem, it may not look like anything changes in them, but can I tell you, the change is happening in you. A change is happening in you. When you will pray for those people, it would be the hardest thing, and you won't be able to get, hardly get any words out of your mouth, and you may have all kinds of, of tears, and you may have a lot of words you shouldn't have said, but if you'll pray, God will somehow will change your heart. And number two, bless them. Bless them. That's the last thing I want is blessings in life. There's things I want to give them, but it is not a blessing. Bless them. Bless them. Speak well of them in public and in private. Because you know life and death is in the power of the tongue. And once you release something out of your mouth, you release power. And so you need to be very careful how you use that. And so you need to bless them. Every time you think about them, open your mouth and speak a blessing over them. It'd be the hardest thing you did at first. But the more you do it, the easier it'll get. You just bless them. Father God, just bless them today. That's all I got, God. And God says, that's all I need. I can take that, work with that. And the next step might be, bless them at work. Bless their wife. Bless their kids. Bless them. I don't know what it is, the situation. Bless them, Father God. But you need to speak life out of your mouth. You need to hear yourself say blessings and speak blessings. Jesus said in Luke 6, 27, 28, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. There's a reason why the Bible instructs that to you and I. So we can release that forgiveness and those things out of our heart towards those people and it won't hold us back with what God has. Uh, Romans 12, 14 says this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them and do not curse or do not curse them. Jesus said that. And the last thing I want to give you is do good to them. Do good to them. Do good to them. Find at some point in time a way to do something good. Romans 12, 17 through 21 says this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. You leave that up to God. On, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The word works. Get that out of your heart. Follow the formula, if you will, in the word of God and pray for them. Speak blessing over them. Find something good to do for them. I want to give this last scripture, then we want to go into a moment where we get an opportunity to activate that in our lives. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Listen to this. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. The bottom line, the forgiven, forgive. The forgiven, forgive. Because we've been forgiven much. And we in turn then, our relationship with Jesus and what he did for us can find through the principles in the word of God a way then to release forgiveness to those that have hurt us. It is so important, I hope that you grab a hold of this today because from this point forward, we can walk out of here freer, lighter, more available for the things of God and a greater witness to this lost and hurting world. Let's all stand to our feet. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.